Take your Bibles this morning and let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Did you pass those out, Jackson? Did everybody get a, a sheet and a, uh, a pen? We're, we're not going to get very far this morning. Uh, we take our time going through these and I, I usually take a week for each couple points. We started into it last week and so I, I'll give you the points that we're, that we're caught up to uh, up till now just so that you can uh, at least be a little bit aware of where we are. But we're only on the second point. So the first point that I gave last week to the, to the teenagers uh, is this, God created communication, but man perverts it and uses it sinfully. God created communication, but man perverts it and uses it sinfully. And that the Genesis chapter 11 there, verse 1 through uh, 9, all, is, is all about the, uh, the Tower of Babel. And I, I, I thought that this was interesting. I mentioned it last week in Sunday school, but, uh, you know, I, I wonder what the language was that they were all speaking. You know, obviously, the, the, the Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew, so what, were they all speaking Hebrew, or were they all speaking some different language? Which then I, uh, which also is, is an interesting thing to me, too. What is the language of heaven going to be? You know, we think that the whole world knows English, so we're just going to get to heaven, and everybody's going to be speaking English. But, but, you know, I mean, English wasn't always the language of the world. You know, it used to be Greek, and then Latin, and I mean, there's always been different languages, you know, trade languages of the world. I just, I mean, there's no answer to that question. I just thought it's kind of interesting, you know, what is the language that we're all going to speak? Whatever it is, we're all going to understand it, and uh, we'll be able to communicate and all of that stuff. But here, the, you know, um, and, and I'm not going to take the time to read through it again, but in James chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel, they decided, and they used their communication in a, in a wrong way. They started talking about, oh, we can build this tower to get us to heaven and everything else, and that's where God confounded the languages. And I can imagine what it must have been like when they were all standing there talking and, hey, pass me a hammer. And the guy says, what did you say? You know, pass me a hammer. And he doesn't even know what he's saying. What did you say? Because he didn't understand him either, you know. And the next thing you know, they start shouting in their language, hey, does anybody understand me? And somebody from the other side of the tower says, hey, I understand you. And they get together and they go off in their little group. And finally, everybody figures out who everybody is and they make their way into their groups. But the tower stopped right there because they couldn't communicate with each other at that point. And uh, so, you know, God created, God created language, God created communication, man perverts it and uses it in, in a sinful way, and obviously that's not what God designed that to be used for. But that brings us then to the second point, which is this, God's purpose for communication is his glory and the edification of others. Uh, there's a, a definition there, and uh, you don't have it um, in, in front of you, but um, the, the first purpose of all communication is to glorify God. That's, that's the first point there underneath number two. I'll say number two again. God's purpose for communication is his glory and the edification of others. And the first purpose of all communication is to glorify God. We read these last week, so I'm not going to take the time to turn to them today, but I'll read some of these verses to you that we went over. Romans chapter 15 and verse number six, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 86 and verse 12, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Psalm 51, 15, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Psalm 63, verse 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Now, that word glorify means to make glorious or to magnify or to enlarge. So when we're saying that our speech is there and exist to glorify God, then essentially what our speech is supposed to do is to magnify the Lord. Everything that we say ought to magnify Him, right? It doesn't make God bigger. 
God's already as big as he's going to be, the same way that looking at, a, at some microscopic thing under a microscope doesn't actually make that thing bigger. It just makes it appear bigger to us, right? Same thing with a magnifying glass. If you're looking at a, at a, at a book through a magnifying glass because you can't see anymore, it's not making the words on the page physically bigger. It just makes them appear bigger. And it's the same thing with God. Our speech is not going to make God a bigger God. He's already as big as he's going to be. He's already as big as he, as he needs to be, right? Uh, but when we use our words to glorify him, we are making him appear bigger to other people. And that's the whole point of, of what our speech should be about. We should be uh, uh, magnifying the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see the second purpose. Uh, and this is where we are for, for the teens who have their um, uh, sheets, their handouts. The second purpose of all communication is to edify others. To edify others. And we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What a great, uh, a great verse. Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. That's our purpose. That's, that's the purpose of our speech. Of course, ultimately, it's to glorify God, but our speech exists to edify others. The word edify, and you can write this down in your definition there underneath number two. The word edify means to purposefully cause someone to go forward or to build up. That's kind of a long phrase there, but to purposefully cause someone to go forward or to build up. Our words have the power to benefit others and to encourage growth in other people, right? We also have the ability to tear down as well. And, and, and we'll talk about this a, a little bit more as we go through it. Uh, but, it's, you know, the Bible talks very specifically, and, and we did that at the very beginning of this in, in looking at uh, James chapter 3. But James chapter 3 talks a lot about the tongue. It's small. It's tiny. It, but it can do some great damage. But the other side of that coin, and that's, you know, honestly, that's often the way that we, we, we we're negative in, in a lot of ways, Right. Uh, you, you hear the, you, we read the Bible verses that say uh, the God, uh, God sees everything, right? Beholding the evil and the good. You better not do bad things. God sees everything that you do, right? If you, if you tell a lie, God knows. If you steal and nobody else is looking, God sees it. And that's what we tend to focus on, the negative side of it, right? But what does the Bible say? Beholds the evil and the good. God sees everything good that we do, too. So why don't we focus on that? Instead of focusing on the bad things, let's focus on the good things. God sees all of the good that we do. All the times that we share the gospel when nobody else is there, God sees it. All the times that we read our Bible and have our prayer time when nobody's there and, and, and congratulating us for doing that, God sees it. He rewards the good as well. We tend to focus on the negative, and the same is true when it comes to our speech. We always focus on, don't say wrong things. Your tongue can tear down. And it can. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about those things. The Bible does talk about that. But we can also focus on the other side. Our words can be used to build other people up. Our words can be used to edify others. And that's exactly what our, our speech is, is designed to do. That word edify means to purposefully cause someone to go forward or to build up. A lot of communications glorify self 
minimize others, right? How many times has it happened in the, uh, in the business world, right? Everybody is out there for number one, and if I can say something bad about somebody else that makes me look good, then I'm going to do it. If I can say something good about myself that makes somebody else look bad, then I'm going to do it. That's the mindset of a lot of people. That's not the way that it should be. It should be the exact opposite of that. Too often we're self-centered in our communication and we become involved in, in gossip. We become, we become involved in, in harmful talk, things that, that do not benefit other people. But a mature Christian at the end of the day is going to realize that all communication was designed by God to glorify God and to edify other people. Now, turn over, if you will, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. When it comes to speaking, writing, texting, emailing, communicating in any form, those are the two things that you need to remember. Glorify God, edify others. Glorify God, edify others. And honestly, so I gave, our, I gave uh, the young people some homework. I said, try to do something this week without thinking about it first. Try to do something without thinking about it first. All right? And uh, I'm standing next to Jackson, and all of a sudden my hand just comes up and pshaw, right in the face, right? Oh, I don't know what happened. I, 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 my hand just jumped up and hit you. I don't know how that happened. No, you thought about it first, even if it was for a split second, and even if you didn't think it all the way through, you still thought about it. Boy, what would happen if I s slapped him in the face right now? That would be pretty funny, right? I mean, and it, it might happen in a half a second that you think all of those thoughts, and you do it, and then somebody says, why did you do that? Well, I, just, I wasn't thinking. How many, people, how many times have you heard somebody say that? Well, I wasn't thinking. You did think, you just didn't think it through. You didn't take the time to process all of it. And, and that, I mean, honestly, a lot of times that comes with maturity, which is why a lot of times teenagers do things that to us look dumb. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do something like that? Well, they didn't think it through first. But if, if we would take an extra two seconds with everything that we say or write, or communicate in any way, glorify God, edify others. Does this glorify God? Does it edify others? It would change the way that we speak. It would change the way that we communicate with other people. Now, sometimes you might have a little bit of an excuse when you're having a conversation and you say something that you wish you didn't say, or I wish I could take that back, or whatever. You didn't have time to think it through. You have no excuse when you're communicating in a written form, whether through a text or through a, uh, you know, a, a, a letter that you write or an email. You have time to sit there and read it, think about it, and you still send it. Uh, glorify God, edify others. Does that communication do that? If it doesn't, don't send it. If it doesn't, don't say it. Romans chapter 3, verse 13, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You see, we don't belong to ourselves. We don't have the right to use our thoughts, our tongues, our words in a way that does not fulfill God's purposes. Right? And obviously, we read lots of verses, and we will read lots of verses, uh, that talk about the fact that using our words to do something that does not glorify God or using our words in communication to do something that does not edify others is not part of God's purpose for our speech. And so we ought to be careful and make sure that we're not doing those things. Glorify God, edify others. Which brings us then to number three, and you'll probably have to turn on the inside. You can turn it inside out there. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 18. 
and I alluded to this already, but words carry an extreme power. Words carry an extreme power for good or for bad. Now, this is such an important lesson for, for young people, but in particular, teenage age. But this is something that applies to all of us. This communication is so important and, and the way that we communicate and the way that we speak. And so, yes, you know, it's something that kids need to learn, but it's something that we as, as adults especially need to be reminded of often, right? Because words carry an extreme power for good or bad. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and tell me that this does not give um, such a huge emphasis and such a huge importance to what we say. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. At the end of the day, is there anything more important than life and death? How many times have you heard somebody say, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's important, but it's not life or death? Why do they say that? Because life and death is really the most important thing. If you're dead, you, nothing, nothing goes on, right? If you're alive, then it does. So death and life really are, are the most important thing that we have in, in, in the world. And the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's, that, that's placing huge importance on that. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse number 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. He's not saying shoving words into your mouth. It's, you know, how much of an emphasis do we put on what we eat, especially now? Right? I'm on a diet. I can't eat that. Oh, that's bad for you. I can't eat that. Oh, that's poison. I can't eat that. God is saying it's, it, what you put in your mouth is not anywhere close to important when it comes to what comes out of your mouth. You can put all kinds of stuff into your mouth. That's not what defiles you. What defiles you is what comes out of your mouth. That's the importance of our words. Here's the first blank underneath number three. God designed words to have great power. God designed words to have great power, especially written words. You think about those verses that we just read. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power to defile. How important then is our speech? Have you ever considered that God gave us his written word because words are so powerful? You think about the Bible. Why didn't God write the message in a cloud and take a picture of it and send us all pictures? Or why didn't God, you know, give us his message some other way? Or record it on a tape and let us listen to it or something, you know? God gave us his written word because words are powerful, right? Uh, having God's written word is, is, is better than seeing him in person in some ways. How is that possible? Well, when somebody puts something in writing, you're able to read their heart and their thoughts in print. I, I, you know, especially when I was dating, I, I don't know if I'd rather have a letter from my wife or if I would rather see her in person. I'd probably rather see her in person. And, and all those letters were building up to the time when we actually did get to see each other in person. We, I, I was in Indiana. She was down here in Virginia. We had a long-distance relationship. And so a lot of what we did was communication through writing. And so I looked forward to getting the letters in the mail. I looked forward to getting emails. We didn't have FaceTime and texting was brand. That was, when we were dating, texting was when you had to do ABC, 
D-E-F to get to the different letters. It, it took so long to text one text that it was hardly worth it. But I got, I'm, I'm telling you, during the time that we were dating, I got pretty good at, you know, A-B-C, D-E-F, you know, uh, to try to send, send texts that way. But there was no FaceTime. There wasn't all of that stuff. And so a lot of what we did was by written communication. And I look forward to that. Uh, but again, and the same thing is true with the Word of God. God gives us His written Word so we can look forward to His coming, so we can look forward to what is coming for us when it comes to heaven and all of those other things, right? But that written communication is extremely important. I'll tell you what I used to do when I got a, a letter from my wife in the mail before she was my wife. I'd open that thing up, I'd read it all the way through quickly, and then I would sit down and take my time to read it through slowly. And then I would go back and read it again, and then go back and read it again. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you just, you, you see their heart, and you see the real them when it's coming out, and you know that, you know, obviously taking the time to write something out means that they put time and effort into it. She thought about what she was saying, and so now I want to sit there and think about what she's thinking about while she's saying those things. And that's the same way that it is with God's word to us, right? God took the time to have men write those words. They took the time to write those words down. God took the time, if you will, to preserve his word for thousands of years. How important is it then for us to read it and reread it and reread it and get his heart and try to understand the, the, the God behind those words, right? That's why God gives us the written communication. There's something powerful about communication in that way. Um, because written words are powerful, expressions of the inner heart. That's your, that is your uh, next blank. Why do, you, why do we save those things? Why do we reread letters? Why do we uh, cherish a card in the mail from somebody that has some heartfelt words on it? Well, because written words are powerful expressions of the inner heart. And in the same way, all of your words have great power as well. They have power to build up. They have power to, to destroy you can, you can see either, they, they can go either way, right? It's up to us what happens with those words. Are we going to use them to edify others? Are we going to use them to build others up? Or are we going to use it to tear others down? And, you know, again, joking around, playing around, whatever else is, is different, you know. But, but a lot of people use their words to tear other people down because they're trying to get to the next rung on the ladder. Or they're trying to make themselves look good to other people. Or they're trying to do whatever. And, and a lot of times, words are not used to build up, they're used to tear down. And, and God never meant for them to be that way, because a wise Christian will place great weight and great value on the power of words. So we, uh, as Christians especially, must choose to use our words wisely, choose to use our words for good. Which brings us then to number four, and we're certainly not going to get anywhere close to all the way through this. But God commands us to avoid all corrupt communications. God commands us to avoid all corrupt communication. And there's a lot of verses that are listed out there underneath number four, and we're going to start into them. Um, but God describes bad communications in a lot of verses. And uh, as a Christian, we're going to be tempted every day through peer pressure, through um, media, to participate in or to laugh at corrupt communication. And... Well, well, let's look at a couple of these verses. Let's think about what God has to say about these perverse kinds of communication. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Probably only going to get through these couple verses, but I'll give you a couple blanks underneath there. 
and then we'll be finished. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. We read this one already, but I think it's worth reading again because of the, the, the power in this verse. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Minister grace unto the hearers. Think about what that phrase means, right? It, it is, a, is a joke that is off color, ministering grace to the hearers. Is using foul language, ministering grace to the hearers. Is uh, saying things that are inappropriate, ministering grace to the hearers. Of course it's not. And that's where the Bible defines then as corrupt communication that's proceeding out of your mouth. Now, here's the important thing. It matters what you put in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The more you put that into your, into, your, into your heart, the more you feed that into your soul, the easier it's going to be for that to come out, and the more temptation you're going to have for that to come out. Uh, so it's very important what you put in there, but what you put in is going to come out. And so corrupt communication, if you put it in, corrupt communication is what's going to come out. But at the end of the day, no matter what you put in, it, we're responsible to make sure that that corrupt communication does not proceed out of our mouth. Turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 24. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 24 says this. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. It doesn't get much plainer than that, does it? Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. There's no way that you can misconstrue that or misunderstand or misinterpret what he's talking about when he says to put those things away. He's talking about things that come out of your mouth that, are not, that, that should not come out of the mouth of a Christian. Shouldn't come out of anybody's mouth, but especially the mouth of a Christian. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. I'll read Ephesians chapter 5 while, while you're turning over there just for the sake of time. But it says this, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, get this, let it not be once named among you as become of the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Not once should it be named of a Christian that that came out of your mouth. Not once should some kind of communication of that sort come out of the mouth of a Christian. That means we better be very careful. What comes out of our mouth? Uh, you've, you've heard of the eye gate and the ear gate. There's a mouth gate, and you ought to keep it closed most of the time and only be very wary of what you open up and let out. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 8. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Think about, think about the things that God compares filthy communication out of your mouth. Blasphemy? Would any of us ever get up and blaspheme God? I would hope not. But he's, he puts that in the same category. Put all these things off. Get rid of anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. The word corrupt, and this is your uh, blank underneath there. The word corrupt literally means rotten or worthless. Rotten or worthless. Let no corrupt communication, let no rotten or worthless communication proceed out of your mouth. 
Which brings to mind the verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, that says what? One of these days, we're going to give account for every idle word that came out of our mouth. I, I just can't imagine. I think about that, and I think, what is, is God have a book in heaven that he's writing down every idle word? And then he's going to say when we stand before him, what about this? You said this. You said this. You said this. Why? You said this. Why? That word came out of your mouth. Why? We're going to give an account for every idle word that proceeded out of our mouth? Boy, we better be very careful about what kind of communication comes through these lips. Right? The word filthy means vile or shameful. Vile or shameful. That's the second, blanks, uh, the second set of blanks that you have there underneath number four. He says, put off filthy communication out of your mouth. Vile or shameful communication should not come out of your mouth, especially the mouth of a Christian. Over and over and over. We, and we looked, at, we looked at four different passages but we're commanded to put away, to put off, to, to avoid all types of that sinful communication. God, God really even addresses our joking and our humor. He says that in, in uh, um, verse, let's see here, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 4. Uh, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. God's even concerned that, that you learn to laugh at the right things. That's, a, that's a, a blank there that you have underneath those definitions. God is even concerned that you laugh at the right things. By the way, you may not be the one on your job site that's using cuss words or taking God's name in vain or telling the dirty jokes. But when you laugh at them, and when you, you know, carry on about how funny it is and everything else, you might as well be the one telling it. You're participating in it just the same. You, you're, you're giving your approval of it by laughing at these things that these, that these people talk about. It's, it's not easy being a Christian. I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know that, but I'm just telling you that point, point blank. It's not easy being a Christian. And sometimes there may be a joke that, oh, that, that's pretty funny. But if it's inappropriate, you ought not to laugh at it. And you ought to, you ought to make a stand against those things. I know Brian talks all the time about, you know, uh, these d different guys on his job site and the things that they talk about and say and everything else, and, and they've learned that, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You know, I, 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 was, I was laughing with these guys. I didn't mean to say that around you. It's got a testimony, and that's the way that it ought to be amongst Christians. Right? Job sites are notorious, any kind of job sites, notorious for that kind of language. I've worked on job sites for a, 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 a long time, and I've done it a lot. I know the kind of communication that, that happens on job sites. And they ought to know that you're not, not only going to say those things, you're not going to participate in, it in any way. God even cares about the things that we laugh at and make sure that we're laughing at the right things. And again, then, the last blank that I'll give you for today is this. One of the most powerful signs of maturity is your ability to communicate well and to abstain from corrupt communications. And we have to decide now that we're not going to be enamored by words that you know displease the Lord. Which again, there's plenty of words in our English language that have connotations that are just not good. Whether they be outright cuss words or not, there's plenty of words in our English language that, that have wrong connotations that should never come out of the mouth of a Christian. And I could list a bunch of them that, that a lot of people use that, well, that's, that's not really a bad word, but you know. 
Yeah, it is. If, it, if it's not edifying others and if it's not glorifying God, then it's corrupt communication and it should not come out of our mouth. That's our guidelines. And, 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 and prove me wrong. <laughs> if it doesn't edify others and if it does not glorify God, then it's not communication that is becoming of a Christian. And that means that we, a lot of us, need to sit back and evaluate, okay, is it okay to say this? Is it okay to use this phrase? Is it okay to use this word? Because it should not come out of the mouth of a Christian if it doesn't glorify God and if it doesn't edify others. And uh, again, to go back to this, uh, to repeat it one more time, one of the most powerful signs of maturity is your ability to communicate well and to abstain from corrupt communications. That's one thing that we're trying to teach our young people, trying to teach our kids. And that's one thing that adults need to learn too because our speech is what our kids are going to emulate. Our speech is what our kids are going to learn, and the words we say are the same words that they're going to say. And the things we laugh at are the same things they're going to laugh at. And when you laugh at something that's inappropriate or you, or you say something that's inappropriate, you're giving your approval to those things. And all, you don't even have to say, son, it's okay to say this word. You saying it is your approval. Son, it's okay to laugh at that kind of stuff. You laughing at it is your approval. Whether you meant to say it or whether you meant to laugh at it or not, it's your approval, and they see that, and they know that. And so, again, we need, as adults, to be demonstrating maturity to the next generation by carefully monitoring what comes out of our mouth. And, and again, then, by carefully monitoring what goes into our heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A lot of things that we're going to continue to talk about with our young people, but I, I, th I thought it would be a helpful lesson for us today put us all together to do that. But we have to decide now that we're going to honor our maker with our tongues, right? Uh, the God of our hearts. When we're around corrupt communications, we get defiled. You can't help it a lot of times. You can walk away, and that's what you should do. But sometimes you can't help it. Now, I don't want to drag on, but there are a lot of things that you hear that you could help because a lot of them come in through the TV or the Internet or, or other ways that you have every ability to control. Oh, I didn't know that that program was going to have that in there. Well, look at it ahead of time. Make sure it doesn't have it in there before you watch it. Then you won't have to worry about it, right? Or if you hear a word that comes on in a, in a TV program that you thought was okay, it goes off. Turn it off. Oh, five minutes from the end of the movie, and we're almost there. Oh, the, 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 the end of the story. It goes off. They cussed. <laughs> I'm not bringing that into my home. And that's the same thing when, when we, you know, and, and that, that really limits the amount of, of things that you can watch. It limits the movies that you can watch. Go get one of those apps like we have where you can look it up and see what's in it before you even put it on in, in, in your home. You're responsible for those things. You're responsible for what comes in because you're also going to be responsible for what comes out and what you put in is going to come out. So let's, let's as adults, be displaying that maturity of, of the communications that come out of our mouth so that we can help this next generation to learn what godly communication is. And at the end of it all, everything that we say or write or text or email or any of those other things, does it glorify God? Does it edify others? Does it glorify God? Does it edify others? If we would stop and think for two seconds before we said something or wrote something, it would change our communication. Does it glorify God? Does it edify others? Hope that's a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity we have to be here this morning. I pray that you bless our service here in the next hour. That you give us something from you as well. And thank you for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.